Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Gambo was just entertaining all of us during the uh, break leading up to the show about how we spent his weekend. Sounds like you had a yes. like you had a blast yes, this weekend yes, an absolute with, uh, blast. with Coach Webb at the Corona, you know, that volunteer thing. You know, he kids and parents to come and clean up the field and just I got put on like um, cleaning up the, you know, the, the Corona baseball clubhouse duty I got put on. Wasn't very exciting, but we got the job done. I was like, no pictures. I don't want my wife seeing what I'm doing here a, while I'm on the ground with a shot back trying to vacuum everything. Why are you are you worried she might give you something to do when you get home? Like, oh, look, my husband do actually does this stuff. Let's, let's dusting take and advantage of Dusting and vacuuming. Wow, and, Gambo, you're, yeah. you're uh, like, you getting down there with the people. I like, like it. So absolutely. Coach Webb, just tell her I built a mound, a pitcher's mound for you. That's all you need to say. <laughs> Don't tell her I actually did this stuff. So, yeah. You do what you got to do. You do what you got to do. You got to be a parent of a freshman baseball player. That's right. El Sol. That's you right. do what you you do what you got to do. Yes. Yeah. Hope everybody had a really good weekend. A lot going on. Uh, we got a busy show today. It's Super Bowl week. Uh, we've got some plans involved in that. We've uh, Cliff Kingsbury. A change of mind, says the nation's capital instead of Las Vegas. And all sorts of storylines yeah. coming off of that. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But uh, let's tell you what our top story of the day is here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. And that is going to do it. Metsu gets the rebound, and the Suns win it. 140-112, to 112, the final score here in Washington, D.C., led by 43 points, a new season high for Bradley Beal on his return to take on the team he spent his first 11 seasons with, and Beal will leave the floor with a big smile on his face after quite a performance here this afternoon, 140-112. to 112. John Bloom with the call yesterday here on Arizona Sports. The Suns finally around. Wrap up their mammoth seven-game road trip with a win against the Washington Wizards to improve to four and three on the trip. And yes, the story yesterday certainly was Bradley Beal. 43 points, 16 of 21 shooting. And really, he needed that performance because it had been a rough road trip for Bradley Beal. He did miss his first two shots. He missed his first two shots, and then he was uh, 10 for 12 to finish the half. He was unbelievable. I mean, obviously, he was geeked up and ready to play against his former team and the old fans that, that you know, and they, re- they were rooting for him. They were happy to see him. The video tribute was tremendous, uh, but a big first half for him, 26 points. They crushed Washington. I'll say this. I know Detroit has a worse record. I think that might be the worst team I've seen this year. That might be the worst team I've seen. They were awful. Wow. They didn't oh, have they Kuzma. so bad. They didn't have Marvin Bagley. But my God, that, that looked like they, the Suns were just toying with them, like absolutely toying with them. What I loved more than anything was outside of Beal, right? They let Beal play a little bit in the fourth quarter, then took him out. Everybody else got to rest. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't play Durant. They didn't play Booker. They didn't play Nurkic. Beal came out with 844 left, and they were up by 28 points. I, You know me. I mean, I've been waiting for this game. I've been waiting for the game. 
where they're able to rest everybody the whole fourth quarter. We got it yesterday. I'll be honest, there haven't been a lot of those moments this year. There have hardly been any at all, frankly, for the Phoenix Suns, and we're 50 games into the season. They haven't had, you probably count on one hand, and even then I think I'd have to go back and look. How many games where they blew out the opposition so badly they were just able to take their foot off the gas and kind of ease on into victory? Three? Four all year long. I mean, it, it, not I, many, not I many. enjoyed it. I mean, like Frank Vogel puts in the ve- the bench. I'm like, great, awesome. We haven't seen a whole lot of this yeah. this year. I just kept waiting for it, so I was able to turn it off. But then, uh, you know, then I was just wanted to see who was in there in that fourth quarter. So they went with, um, I think. Let me see. They went with Eric Gordon. They went with uh, a Kogi Eubanks uh, Bowl. Uh, Beal started. Then eventually, when I put the subs in, it was Nas Little, KBD, Chemezi Metu, Utah Watanabe, and Jonathan Goodwin. Yeah, uh, that was it. We have, we've we've only seen that for brief, small, brief little spurts. As far as Bradley Beal, he talked afterwards to the TV side about the emotions of being back in DC. Oh man, it was I was blessed. Man. I was blessed to be in a great place for 11 years. Uh, not many players have that opportunity, so I wanted to really just embrace that. It's kind of tough right before game. I try to to get emotional, but uh, one thing I wanted to do is just just take the time and just kind of be selfish and be like, you know what, Bree, like you did something pretty cool being in one city for 11 years, having an impact both on and off the floor, and uh, it was it was a great appreciation, a great love back. So I'm I'm very grateful for it. He was having a blast. He was having a blast. His body language was really good, unlike <laughs> anything Kendrick. His body language was great. He had great body language in the game. God. What do you take out of that the, game? The body, the body language, language from Bradley Beal was so good. Oh. It was The body language was great. He was having fun. They were having fun. Uh, they needed to go kick somebody's ass after what happened against he, Atlanta on Friday because that was oh, not that very was, good. That was a disaster. Oh, boy, that oh, boy, was, oh, boy. Yeah, let's talk about it for a couple of minutes yeah. since, it, since it happened since we were last on the air. I mean, didn't show up to play. No, the defense was awful. The turnovers were just maddening yep. again for this basketball team. Seven in the fourth quarter. And those bookerless minutes at the end of the third quarter when he picks up that foul and then he sits at the end of the third and to start the fourth, the, the ball game just swung in favor of the Hawks and the Suns could never get it back. Those no. minutes when Booker wasn't on the floor were essential in that game on Friday. Suns were up by three, 94-91. They went on a 13-1 run. It was 104-95. Hawks at that point. Booker didn't take any shots in the fourth quarter. I can honestly say they deserved to lose that basketball game. The, the, there was no emphasis on defense whatsoever. They could not get a stop uh, to save their lives. That was a bad game. That was a bad game against Atlanta. Atlanta, that, that was their third win in a row. They played hard. They played to win. Trey Young was sensational in that basketball game. And the Suns, you know, they, you, you come away. They lost that one. Now you knew the best that they could do was 4-3 and three on this road trip. They got the Washington win, they end up 4-3 and three on the road trip. Yeah, Frank Vogel, after yesterday's game. You know, yes. We played the game with an edge that was lacking in Atlanta. You know, and I think our guys were all uh, aggravated with how that game went. They all know that we didn't come out with the right disposition. And um, when you're getting stops and then you're playing in the open court, we can be really dynamic offensively. It aggravates me that he was aggravated. Yeah, He had a right to be aggravated, but that was Atlanta. That, that, that was, you know, you were, you, that should not have been the roadblock to a 5-2 road trip, right? That, that Atlanta should not have been 
should not have been what was getting in your way of a five and two road trip. And, and I get it. The Hawks, it's it's not a three game win streak. Now it's a four game win streak. They survived Steph Curry dropping sixty on them over the weekend and still won again. So I get it. They seem to be playing a little bit better yes, at they home. Are. I, I I don't know about you. I, I was I was disappointed in the outcome of this road trip. I, four and three to me was not was not good enough. Now there's still plenty of time. Five for and it two, to and you would have said they're very successful, right? Five and two, I would have said okay. that's a successful road trip. Okay. Four and three against the quality of the competition they were playing. You expected better. I expect better. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, I think that the. Am I wrong and to I think, expect yeah, better? And they could have won. Either of the first two losses, the games that they lost, they could have won either one of those games. The Atlanta game, they were up by three. They Trey Young, it was just un, un, incredible. 32 points, 15 assists in the game, and he hit that big three to put him up 121-111, and that was the kind of the dagger. I just, I just didn't see a big emphasis on trying to win that game against Atlanta. I don't know if they just took their foot off the gas. Look, the Suns are very capable of beating everybody, but it just seemed in that game against the Hawks that they just didn't come out to play as hard as they're capable of playing. I know it's apples and oranges, um, but I'm looking at the LA Clippers. They're on their big road trip, too, because the Grammys basically kicked them out of their building. By the way, can I just comment on the Grammys? Seeing Tracy Chapman sing that song with Luke Holmes last night was freaking money. She's great. Man, that was great. She's great. That is great that she's back in the forefront with that song. Yeah, I love uh, it. She won, a, she won a country music award for it. it, was, it was, I, she, I saw the performance so on your Twitter account. They're 5-1 and one on their road trip. I mean, that's the Clippers. Yeah. And, and I, again, mm-hmm. it's apples to oranges, but that's the kind of trip that you have when you say, we're one of the best teams in the NBA. Let's go show everybody why. They're five, they got one game left on the road trip. So at worst, they're going to finish five and two. Like, I, I, I don't want to I don't want to sound like um, I'm setting the bar too high. But that that Friday night loss to me it was like no matter what happened yesterday against Washington, well if they had lost it'd be a disaster. Four and three is just eh, well Beal okay. was Beal played really bad against Atlanta, he did. really really bad. He was zero for seven from three point range. He was five of sixteen overall. He had four turnovers. Maybe he was looking ahead to the Washington game and going home. I mean it's possible you know that 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 he wasn't as focused as he should have been. I mean Booker had twenty four points. KD had thirty. But Beal really struggled with 14, the four turnovers. But you said it before. I mean, you know, the turnovers were were a big deal in this game. Durant had four. Beal had four. They had seven in the fourth quarter. 17 overall. It led to 21 points for Atlanta off the turnovers. It's got to be better. All right. So coming up, I should have mentioned this at the top of the show. Listen for your name today at 420 this afternoon. It's your chance to qualify and win a trip for two to witness the Cardinals make their number four pick in Detroit in the NFL draft. Once you hear your name, Call in, seize the moment. If you haven't registered yet, text the word DRAFT to 620-620. That's DRAFT to 620-620. Do not miss out on Arizona Sports Destination Detroit. And it's brought to you by Bud Light. Be listening at 420 this afternoon. He made the claim back in January that the Sun should make a lineup change. This morning on this station, he doubled down. You'll hear what he had to say and who said it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, it's Luke. What do you want to see from the Phoenix Suns when they face the guy who took the 2021 NBA title away from them? We're getting you ready for Suns Bucks tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Charles Barkley said it on TNT back on January 12th, so just under a month ago. They just don't fit together. Like I say, they don't have a point guard, and they can't rebound the ball. They only got one guy who can rebound, 
and that's the big guy Nurkic. Nurkic. And well, I, well, you, you can't put a point guard in with those three guys it, with, anyway, so. Well, that, so you got to bring Bill off the bench. Wow. Listen, did you say that Westbrook and James Harden couldn't play together? I, I would say they could. However, Bradley Bill is, is much younger. He's not at, like, Westbrook age. So to say you're going to come off the bench at this stage of your career. We're just about winning. All right, that was on the, the inside the NBA on TNT. Now, it was back on January 12th, back when the Suns were still really trying to find themselves. Here we are a few weeks later, Gambo, and they found themselves, right? They're, I might not be super thrilled with the road trip, but whatever. They're playing a lot better. Everybody can see that. 15-6 and six in LS21. That would do it. It's good. It's good. Charles, good record. Charles Barkley was on Bickley and Murata today and reiterated the son should bring Bradley Beal off the bench. I would love them to bring Bradley Beal off the bench. Because, you know, I think uh, it's tough for all three guys to do what they do best when they're on the court together. They kind of do a my turn, your turn type thing. Yeah, they do. I would love I would love to see them bring a, a, a service of point guard in, play at a much faster pace with KD and, and Booker starting. And I would bring... Uh, Bill off the bench for instant offense when one of those guys come out. Now I think you can play them in the in the last in the fourth quarter because you know you do, but I don't think you can play them the whole game together. Mm-hmm. I think they play too slow. Uh, but I think if they got a service of a point guard and they play at a faster pace and ball Bill off the bench and finish the game with the big three. It's an interesting thought, and I don't want to just dismiss it. Um, It's not going to happen. They want to keep all three guys out there together to create. Because if you look at the success that the big three is having, and you point to that success that the big three is having, it's actually been really good. Like the, The more they play together, the more dominant they become. My problem... If I have a problem with what he's saying is what do you do come playoff time when these guys are going to play 38 to 40 minutes a game, Booker and Durant? You could bring Beal in when one of those guys goes to the bench. Well, in the playoffs, they don't really go to the bench. Okay, so you're going to have to play. Like, if you're going to play Beal 20 minutes, 18 of them are going to be with those. He's not going to rest. These guys aren't going to, you know, in in a playoff game, you know it. These guys are going to play. They're Mm going to play. There's been NBA playoff games where Kevin Durant never came off the court. Never came off the court. So if they can play the whole game, they'll play the whole game. Give them a couple minutes here and there, but you tighten the rotation and the starters and the stars have to play a little bit more. So I don't know how that would work there. His point, the, the, the point that would be well taken is, you know, if you did have a second unit, Beal could be the leading scorer on the second unit. You know, yeah, you go play really hard for six minutes and be the main guy where there is some standing around and waiting because you have three ball dominant players who kind of all excel in an isolation type of game. So I understand what he's saying. Sure. I just don't think that they would do it. I understand what he's saying, too, but I think it's rooted in something else. And I'll go back to the way he started the conversation, the way he started the answer. And it's something you and I have talked a lot about last week, and I suspect we're going to talk a lot about again this week. The Suns need a point guard. And I'm not saying that that's my belief. I'm saying that's Charles's belief. The Suns need a point guard. And if you, if you believe in that, the Suns need a point guard. The Suns need a point guard. Then you start having to figure out ways to fit a point guard. Because when does a point guard play? You know, a point guard, you're, you're, if you're going to start a point guard alongside Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, he has to knock Bradley Beal out of the equation, right? Yes. He, he, he has to. Right. So it's almost like it's almost like the Bradley Beal go to the bench 
conversation is a byproduct of Charles Barkley wanting them to go get a point guard. And at this point, any point guard they get is that close to where the player BL is. And that's my point, is that, okay, go get a point guard. And again, we've said this last week, who, how, what point guard are you going to get? Who are you going to go get? Who are you going to go get that's going to knock Bradley Beal's bench? It's, it's easy to say, go get a point guard, move Bradley Beal's to bench. Yeah. Who? Nobody ever says who. Like, back to square and, one. And how? We're back to right. square if one Bar- with this Barkley conversation. mentioned they need to go get this guy. This guy right now. Get this guy. And then Beal could come. I mean, Chris, look. I mean, can you imagine going to get, I'm just throwing one out. You get TJ McConnell, and now he's going to play 25 minutes a game and take like 15 minutes away from Beal? Yeah. Uh, could you imagine? Come okay. on. Could you imagine? Let's go down that, that thought exercise for a minute here. Could you imagine the Suns go make a trade for TJ McConnell, and he starts over Bradley Beal? That's that's your optimal way to win basketball games, especially when TJ McConnell's not going to be on the floor in the final five minutes of that basketball game. He's not. He's not. That's not. That's not his role. That's not going to be his place. Aren't you better off maximizing the number of minutes you have? Now, I will look. Charles is not completely off his rocker on a lot of what he's saying. They do play slow at times. And the lack of a point guard does cost them a little bit, in particular in the fourth quarter. We were just talking about the Atlanta game a second ago. Well, they have seven turnovers in the fourth quarter of that basketball game. Yep. It was a mess. They could have used somebody out there to kind of organize and orchestrate and hold everybody together. But starting in place of Bradley Beal, especially when you look at kind of some of the advanced numbers as you have and I have, and we saw the numbers today on the on the internet, the starting five when they play together, they're really starting to figure it out, right? Like it's the what we're coming to learn is that the problem with the Suns, one of the problems with the Sun, is the minutes that Devin Booker isn't on the floor, things get a little wonky for them, right? They, a they, little, a lot. Things a get lot. a lot wonky for the yeah, Phoenix Suns when lot. Devin Booker's not out there. You want to argue they could use a point guard? I'll buy it but not in place of Bradley Beal, alongside Bradley Beal when they're out there on the floor without Devin Booker. That's when they need a point guard, I think. Because in those minutes without Devin Booker, things just get sideways on them. That, that to me, yeah, is that's the, the conversation best, yeah, That's a great here. point. If you got somebody that can regular season, this is, again, this would be more of a regular season guy than a playoff guy. I mean, maybe a little bit in the playoffs, but again, you're going to run Booker, Durant, and Beal into the ground with the amount of minutes played in this playoffs, because that's what that's you're going to rely on those guys. That's when you got to count on those guys. Yeah. Now, Barkley did say he thought the Suns are the third best team in the West behind the Clippers and the Nuggets. Uh, the jury's still out. I think you have to look at the big picture. Says, okay, are we on a level with the Clippers and the Nuggets? And that's a hard no right now. You know, uh, in my opinion, the Clippers are the team to beat, and the Nuggets uh, right behind them. Uh, the Suns, you know, because of injuries, they've been a little inconsistent. I think they need one more big guy, in my opinion, before they can compete. Because you have to say to yourself, okay, we're probably the, the third best team, If you, even if you want to be really, really positive. Because I'm not sold on Minnesota, and I think OKC is a little young. Mm-hmm. But you have to ask yourself, uh, I don't know if we can beat the Clippers or the Nuggets. And that's what you're really going to have to do uh, in the playoffs. I want to see them play the Clippers and the Nuggets before I say they can't. 
And I know they just played the Clippers about a month ago, but they weren't like this. They weren't full. No. They, they, they weren't this they version have, of themselves. They didn't have 19 games under their belt. Yeah. And uh, so it's, you know, I don't want to discount everything that happened previously, but this is a different team than the team that, that ended December. All right. We'd love to hear from you. Text us your thoughts, and we can interact with you via the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Text us a thought. We get a chance. We'll read it here on the Burns and Gambo Show when it comes to the Suns. Bradley Beal with Charles Barkley had to say or the road trip when we come back. No, Cliff Kingsbury is not taking a gamble in coaching in Las Vegas. Instead, he's taking a gamble somewhere else. And boy, the fallout from this is interesting. We'll tell you why and why it might relate to the Cardinals next on the Burns and Gambo Show. It's Wolf. What are the biggest matchups of Super Bowl 58? We get going tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. One of the things that happened over the weekend, as we welcome you back to the Burns and Gambo show, was the uh, changing of the mind. Uh, that's one way of putting it, of Cliff Kingsbury. Because when we were here last on Friday, as we, we all thought he was a Raider. We thought he was a Raider. Thought he was a Raider. Thought he was Silver and black. Mm-hmm. We were talking yeah. about what it meant for a couple minutes. Then and Saturday morning, Mitch sent us a text and Adam Schefter broke the news and others that Cliff Kingsbury had decided not to take the job as the Vegas Raiders offensive coordinator and quickly, very quickly, maybe not so coincidentally, emerged as the top candidate to be the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. And that's exactly where he's at. To the point where Gambo, the good morning football crew today, actually had a conversation. And this is Jason McCourty and Kyle Brandt and Peter Schrager and Jamie Erdahl. And they're talking about, does this happen a lot? They're like, yeah, no, this doesn't happen like this. Does this happen often at offensive no. coordinators? It, we're good. I got you. You're coming. And then contracts just yeah. kind of go down. No. Like, I've, I've never heard of, you know, a head coach. Once it kind of hits the news wire, it typically goes. But, I mean, good for Cliff. I mean, going to be in Washington. You mentioned the number two pick. Mike Garofolo coughed up to moving up nine spots or whatever to get, to get that in the draft. Uh, Kingsbury's offenses have always been talked about, so it'll be interesting to see if they do go Caleb, if they go Sam Howell, what is going to turn out. Yeah. It has started a monster storm of speculation about whether the commanders intend to move up to, to move number up one, one spot to take Caleb Williams. I mean, it's been nonstop uh, ever since. Caleb Williams actually, uh, I don't know if it was Instagram or whatever. My dog, congrats. So he had a picture. Caleb Williams congrat, congratulated Cliff Kingsbury. There's a photo of Cliff with a Washington there shirt you go. on. Nice little Photoshop can, action there. My yep. dog, congrats. So the, specul- let the speculation begin that Washington, who has really, really struggled at quarterback for many, many years, um, if they're able to get him. But yes, they went 4-13 and this year. They haven't had a winning record since 2016. And believe it or not, they've gone through 14 stars. Starting quarterbacks over the past decade. So I believe it. At 14 different quarterbacks I have started it. for them. They've got five picks in the first three rounds, and they're projected to have the most salary cap space in the NFL. So Cliff probably looked at the two situations and said, you know what? I'd rather go to Washington, new owner, lots of money. Apparently, there was somebody who was only going to get a two-year deal with the Raiders, And he too. wanted a three-year deal. He wanted deal. a three-year so, deal? That's the speculation was, was why things fell apart with the Raiders. But, man, my mind... As soon as I saw that the, he was getting the commander's job, and I, look, this is just this is my brain speculating. I've not read this anywhere. I don't know if this actually happened or not. There is part of me that wondered if somebody from Washington called Cliff and said, don't, don't, don't take that job. 
come come here. We're going to go make a play for your boy. We're going to get your guy. All right. They can't. We are. They can't. We're going to try. We think we might be able to get him because he's a D.C. guy. We want you to come in because Caleb Williams is from the D.C. area. We want you to come in because you coached him for a year, year at USC. We want you to come in and work with your guy. Don't take that job. Take our job. Now, does that look the commanders and Lauren's very her ears are perking up on this one because she's a Chicago Bears fan. Does do the commanders think they can get a deal done with the Bears? Do the Bears not want Caleb Williams? Do the Bears prefer Drake May? Do the Bears want to stick? You've said for a couple of weeks now you the industry believes that they're moving on from Justin yes, Fields. That's what I've heard. But if they prefer Drake May more, they certainly could swing a deal where they move down one spot in the draft and still get Drake May and say, sure, take him. He's all yours. Knock yourself out. Yeah, there's a lot of reports out there. Several teams calling USC about Caleb Williams, preparing trade packages. And then here's the other one. This is the one. Caleb Williams camp refutes Colin Coward's anti-Bears narrative. Lauren, you know about that one? So did he was was Colin Coward basically saying that he's not playing for the Bears? He was saying that Caleb Williams wouldn't want to play for would the Bears. Would not want to play for the Bears. Did, was he yes. sourcing it or was he speculating? speculating? Speculating. Okay, so he was speculating. But then Caleb Williams camp immediately called to him to like say, "Yo, slow down, Turbo." <laughs> like we never said that. But could the Bears be thinking that he's going to make a power play and not want to play for them, so they'll move down one spot, get Drake May, and get extra picks? Would the Bears pass? Would the Bears move on from Justin Fields and go with a North Carolina quarterback again? That didn't know. Or poor Lauren, she just I just gave her a migraine on the other side of the glass. I can tell. Now here's where this potentially potentially impacts the Arizona Cardinals, and I was thinking about this driving okay. in. Commanders move up to number one to take Caleb Williams because they've hired Cliff Kingsbury. Bears at two. Bears at two decide to stick with Justin Fields. Okay, so at two, they take Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. Patriots take a quarterback at three, and now the Cardinals don't get Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four if that's what they are going to do. And I was listening to— No, but but, but, okay, but I think you're missing one of the great points there. That means the third best quarterback is there at four. Oh, I know. I was going to, oh, I, okay. oh, I didn't right. miss it at all. You just all cut right. me off before I could get there. Yes. I, oh, I know. I know. The Cardinals, that'd be a hell of a consolation prize, wouldn't it? To be sitting there at number four and Jaden Daniels is there and you can call every quarterback well, needy team and say, come get your guy. Come get your guy. Make us a deal, right? That's yeah. a hell of a consolation prize if you're the Cardinals. Yeah, if, if, Marvin, if Marvin Harrison Jr. is not there, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. I don't even know if they're going to take him anyway. But if he's t- if if it does go that way, where Marvin Harrison Jr. has gone in the first two, you know somebody's going to fall in love with the quarterback and want to move up to where the Cardinals are at four to get that guy. So I think that could play really well into Monty Austin for its hand because I still think that he would love to make a trade and get extra picks. But either way, I totally get the speculation because in reality, didn't we all kind of live this a few years ago with Cliff and Kyler? Right? Like, think about it. Josh Rosen's the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals go out and hire Cliff Kingsbury. What's the immediate narrative? He's here to fix Josh Rosen. He's here to make Josh Rosen an NFL quarterback. (laughs) And then slowly but surely, the whispers kick in. Ooh, they really like Kyler. Ooh, maybe Cliff was here to coach Kyler. Maybe that's why they hired Cliff all along was because they're going to get Kyler. Steve Kime watches the tape, falls in love with Kyler. You see what I'm saying? Like this narrative got built of, hey, he was here because he's a good offensive mind and he needs to fix Josh Rosen and it turned into oh no they're going to go get Kyler Murray and he's here to coach Kyler Murray I think the same thing's going to happen with Caleb Williams where it's like hey look 
The Commanders have the number two pick in the draft. They're going to draft a quarterback. Cliff Kingsbury is here to fix that guy, is here to coach that guy. But I think the closer we get to the draft, the more it's going to be, no, he's there for Caleb Williams. That's why he got that job. The exact same narrative we went through four years ago with Cliff and Kyler. I think that's what we're set up for. It could be. I mean, it could very well be. There's got to be, I mean, outside of the, look, I think the easiest way to spin it, if you're Eric Burkhardt, is, oh, they want to talk for a two-year deal. We wanted three. Because it doesn't sound like, you know, you're leaving because, you know, you know something. So that's the easy way to spin. Oh, what happened with the Ray? Oh, they were only going to give us two years and we wanted three. Really? Like, if they wanted you that bad, maybe the Raiders would have went to three. But I think you spin it that way so it doesn't, the speculation isn't all about what's going to happen in Washington at quarterback. Dan Graziano today on Get Up. I remember talking to Ryan Poles at last year's Combine uh, and talking about, before they had done the trade with Carolina, obviously, and he was talking about this year's draft, talking about the 2024 draft as like the one you want more picks in. Like that, this could be a generational talent pool. Uh, And uh, and so, yes, I think it's entirely, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to think that he would look at that and say the ability to amass more picks in this year's draft is enticing, maybe even more uh, than the, but, but again, we don't know where their evaluation has landed or will land on Caleb Williams. If the Bears think Caleb Williams is the answer, the transformational franchise quarterback, yeah. then they're going to stay there and take. You mentioned the commanders and their picks. They have six of the top 100 picks and a lot of cap space. They got the ammo to move up if they want. Yep. They've got the they've ammo, got to, the move ammo up. to move up. Mm-hmm. They absolutely have the ammo to move up. And, and they him. desperately need to get a quarterback. They may be there for a little while. Yeah, new ownership. They might feel like they want to hit a home run with this one. Join Arizona star outfielder Corbin Carroll. It's inaugural. It's his inaugural baseball pro camp on February 17th at Mountain Point High School. Boys and girls grades one through eight can join Corbin for baseball skills, drills, and fun. Visit CorbinCarrollCamp.com for information and registration or enter to win a spot at the camp at Arizona. ArizonaSports.com slash contest. When we come back on the Burns and Gamble Show, a story that broke late on our show Friday, and it's been the talk of the Valley all weekend long. The Arizona Coyotes and the threats made by the NHL Players Association. Are we any closer to a resolution for the Coyotes and their arena issues? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know social poll. Presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Mitch is here. He's got today's social media poll question of the day. You can find it on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Of course, you can always interact with us as well uh, on the FanDuel text line by texting us at 620-620. We get a couple that pique our interest. We always be sure to drop them in there every now and then. Again, you can text us at 620-620. Mitch, you have the poll question for us. What we got? So, Suns just wrapped up a seven-game road trip, and they finished four and three, which is around the range that you guys predicted of how many wins they were going to get on the seven-game roadie. It was either five or four were the most popular ones, but now we've seen how they got those four wins, and just as importantly, how they got those three losses. So, let's give out letter grades. A, B, C, or D slash F for their four and three road trip. B. B. C. C. It's weird. I'm used to Gambo with C. B. I I know. It's a change for me. C to me is very, like, passable work. They passed. They passed. I mean, I guess. It, I guess technically, not on a ton of possessions. Yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah, just mean general. Just in general. They 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 passed, but a B, four and three is not. 
You know, it's just like it's not an A. It's it's, it's not it's, a B plus. It, it, it wasn't their it wasn't their best. It was good work. It was better work. But I know they can do better than that. I, I yeah. I'm I'm actually disappointed they only went four and three on the road trip. If there were like pluses and minuses, I would have went B minus. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> B minus. Oh, that's pretty damn close to a C. Yeah, so, it's around the same. Yeah. B minus, C plus. Yeah. I'm curious to hear see what our audience says about this one. Two horse race. B's and C's. Forty nine percent B. Okay. Forty three percent C. And then a lot of discounted on A and then D slash F. Okay. Yeah. Feels about right. I, I it, it just wasn't maybe a um prejudice. Because I saw the Clippers won again last night. I mentioned this. Oh, earlier. and you want that? Well, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, you want They're that. Twenty-five and five since the first of December. I am definitely concerned with what others are going to do at the trade deadline too. Oh, yeah. I am concerned about what others are going to do, yeah. knowing that the Suns have limited options. Yep. And yep. we'll have a segment at three fifteen. We'll go over the latest rumors and give you updates on everything with the Suns as much as best we can. I know you made an appearance on the Wolf and Luke show today. Talking I did about the trade deadline coming up this Thursday. As a matter of fact, all right. That's the poll question. Thank you, Mitch. You can find it on uh, our X page at Bernstein Gamble. One word is where you can find it. Uh, this is Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, on. Friday, if you missed this. Alex Morello, as recently as last week, told me he was certain he was going to get this done. And I don't make it a practice of contradicting owners unless I have hard facts to the contrary. Uh, and uh, I'm both hopeful that uh, and, and reasonably reasonably confident that he's going to do what he says. Pause, man. The pause gets I'm me every time. Sure. <laughs> I say this. I say this. The pause gets me every time. I say this. I'm reasonably 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004. Reasonably confident that it's going to get something done. Marty Walsh is the executive director of the NHL Players Association. He's not happy. Oh, boy. On Friday, if you missed it, he was not happy at all. The wait and see approach. Unfortunately, we've had two you know, unofficial deadlines. To come up with some, some movement, but we have gone past both of those. So I'm interested to see what the ownership of Arizona has in mind. Um, you know, as far as what they want to buy land, and you know, it's not just about buying a piece of land. It's like, okay, you can buy a piece of land. How long will it take to permit the land? Is the land you need a referendum? Uh, is it hazardous waste? Do you think there's remediate the land? There's lots of questions. So you could talk about buying land in Arizona in 10 years before a shovel goes in the ground, and that's unex- as far as I'm concerned, it's unacceptable uh, on behalf of the players of that team and unacceptable. Uh, he went on to say the next deadline for me is tomorrow. It's now. It's right now. The last conversation I had with the commissioner was that the owner was looking at a piece of land in the Arizona area. I'm not sure where that stands. Um, basically saying I'm extremely disappointed in the ownership of Arizona. Um, we need to know what the plan is. And that they dropped that like a bomb on Friday, right, going into the All-Star weekend. And since then, we look and wait and wonder what the Coyotes are going to do. And how much pressure the league is putting them on them to do something? Yeah, there's a lot. I've been speaking to some people in the NHL that covered on a regular basis, and you know, they sense a lot more pessimism around all of this than than ever before, uh, even within the organization. Although they won't say it in public, so I think this. You know, listen. Here's the deal: like they were never supposed to play in this in this college stadium arena for five years, but this is year two. 
and it's going to take three years to build something. There's no land. There's no shovel in the ground right now. You would think that even if they got something done now, they can't start for a while. I mean, now you're pushing it, you know, three more. You know, you would expect three more full years of playing in that arena if they're able to get something done now because it's taken. Look, me and you talked about this the other day. The Tempe vote, that was like nine months ago. Mm -hmm. It was a while ago. It was nine months ago. Yes, it was. So, like, the second you lost the Tempe vote, you would have figured that, okay, you you bounce back with something within the next three to six months. But now it's more like nine to 12 months before you have, like, an answer or anything. So I think I'm definitely concerned. I'm concerned about the NHL losing patience the Players Association, and, you know, I, I do think the Players Association could wield a little bit of power. It can stay, you know, the, the players don't want to continue to play in a college arena. They don't want to play in a college arena. They want to play in NHL arenas. So um, I am really curious to see what's, what the next step is for the Coyotes. I think if they try to get that land, they bid on that land, there will be other people bidding as well. So you never could be sure that you're even going to win the bid. No, you can't be. Um, in fact, the Arizona Coyotes did. There was a tweet from Taylor Roca, who is a local reporter for ABC 15. And she had tweeted out late Friday that the Arizona Coyotes are moving forward with a plan to buy state trust land in North Phoenix. And while multiple arena sites are still being considered, a team source did confirm this was a ABC 15. And I'm reading directly from her Twitter account now. The Coyotes retweeted this on late Friday and said, confirmed, we have every intention of staying in the desert. We owe it to the best fans in the world to make that happen. So they are, there's a, there's a more specific story about this on AZ Central in which Javier Gutierrez confirmed to the Republic on Friday, I can confirm that we have submitted an application to buy state trust land, but I'm confirming with you that as I've made very clear on a number of occasions, we are looking at multiple sites and we are not yet ready to announce which one is the one that we are going to pursue as the primary one. Okay. Close quote. Okay, so they have not made a decision which one they're going to pursue the most. All they've done is submitted an application to buy state trust land, but they won't confirm whether that's the land that they're going to want to use to build the arena. But to the point of the head of the Players Association and even Gary Bettman to a certain extent, to a certain extent there, there has to be a communication of the plan. And if you're not looping in the Players Association, it's very obvious that by not looping in the Players Association, you've kind of made an enemy out of them, right? Like, oh, yeah. they've gotten very upset by this. They're, they're What's going on? How come we're not being told? What's the plan? Guys don't want to play there. We can't do this. They'd be wise to make sure they keep them in the loop on this to avoid more public outbursts like that, because all this does is bring a lot of attention to what's going on with the Coyotes right now. Yeah, I don't think anybody, you know, if I would have told you that when the Tempe vote vote failed that we'd be in February of the next year and you still don't really have a resolution on where they're going to play. I don't think any, anybody would have said, well, that they're going to stay. If I would have told you last year when that vote failed in May, it was May, right? Yeah, I think so. That, hey, uh, you know, 10 months from now, nine, 10 months from now in February, still no resolution. Be like, oh, there's no way they're staying. There's no way they could stay. If they, if they don't have a resolution nine, 10 months from now, there's no way. Got to figure this out. You got to get going. Time's 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 ticking. Let's go. Yeah.
When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we turn our attention back to the Phoenix Suns. It's taken time. It's taken patience. And we've given it patience. And now you're starting to see some results. The big three have played nearly 20 games so far this season. What are the numbers telling us about their performance? And what does that mean moving forward? We will tell you next on the Burns and Gambo show.